0: This episode of Let's Talk Period is brought to you by the Quendo app, available now on the app and Google Play stores across Australia and New Zealand. Record and track, we've got your back. Search Quendo in your app store today. Welcome back to another episode of Let's Talk Period. We are back from our little break, and we are so excited to bring you our latest episode of Let's Talk Period with the incredible Bridget Warren from PCOS to Wellness. I sat down with Bridget, Sydney-based entrepreneur, model, mother, and advocate for PCOS awareness and hormone health. Bridget has a double degree in public health and health promotion and commerce two international businesses and she is the creator of online community PCOS to Wellness. Bridget is passionate about empowering those suffering with PCOS, hormonal imbalances and infertility with natural and holistic approaches. In this episode, we chat about her journey to diagnosis with PCOS and why she decided to take a holistic approach to manage this condition. After being told she'd never fall pregnant naturally, Bridget shares her top recommendation to include in your health toolkit and how she started sharing the ups and downs on Instagram and developed a massive community of others who also wanted answers to their PCOS too. Bridget also shares with us, how she started her sisterhood and mummerhood teas, and why they received such an overwhelming response. We seriously could have talked for hours, and Bridget has such a beautiful, warm energy. I really think you're going to love this episode. Now, enough of me. Here's Bridget. Bridget, welcome to Let's Talk
1: Period. Thank you. I'm very excited to be chatting with you finally.
0: I know it's been a bit of a time coming, but we're excited (laughs) to make it happen.
1: Absolutely.
0: Uh, So the way we start our podcast um, with our guests is we always ask them what they've done to nourish their body today. So what's something that you've done to nourish
1: your body today? Oh, well, I have done two things today. The first one was I went and I've been trying to every morning because I guess our routines changed a little bit now that we're in quarantine. Mm. So um, what I'm trying to do in the mornings now is do a little bit of work in the morning, try and smash that out because Jesse, my husband, he's obviously working from home as well. So he can kind of mind Flynn, my one-year-old. And then after I've done a little bit of work, I take Flynn and we go for a really long walk. And today we did a 6K walk, which was so nice, just along the beaches. We're on Phillip Island at the moment. So we kind of just did that and I swear that that just sets me up for a good day it just like puts me in a good mood I didn't it was freezing cold this morning like freezing cold Um, but we just rugged up and we walked and I think yeah we just ended up walking for so long and then I came home and I just felt so nice. And then um, I made myself a beautiful ceremonial grade, like hot cacao with some reishi um, mushroom. And then I might, Jesse bought me a milk frother the other day. And so I like frothed some macadamia milk, made myself a raw cacao. And then that was it. Like, I felt, I was like, this is great. The day can end now. I'm happy.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, I've seen the milk frother on your Instagram and I was like, oh, I'm so jealous.
1: <laughs> it's literally a game changer. Like, I don't know what I was doing before I had a milk frother and it's, it's weird cause I don't even have like dairy milk. I only ever have like, um, like plant-based milk. So I kind of never got one cause I didn't think they would froth the milk, um, because it's not dairy milk and oh my gosh, it is so frothy. Like I'd sometimes just froth it just to eat the froth.
0: <laughs> That's amazing. I've just had to switch from like dairy based products to, um, plant-based for my endo. Yeah. And I was talking to my nutritionist about that. I was like, I just want like a frothy milk <laughs> the story. Came at just the right time, and I was like, yes, a milk frother, revolutionary!
1: Like- You've got to do it. Go and shout yourself. I think mine's a really expensive, classy one from Aldi, uh, but it is Brand doing name. the job. It is doing the job. <laughs> I
0: love it. So you talked about your morning routine looking a little bit different at the moment what would a normal morning look like for you um, with respect to a routine?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, in one way I have, I have a, I, tr- I say I have a routine, but I guess it's more a ritual because once I had Flynn, um, my whole life sort of changed. Like I couldn't know, I no longer could sort of stick to times or anything like that. So I sort of had to, stop worrying too much about like, okay, you know, at seven o'clock, I walk the dogs or whatever it is. So now I, whatever time of the day, our day starts, I start my rituals regardless of sort of what time that is. And so generally that starts with um, a big cuddle in the bed in the morning. So Flynn, Jesse and I will sort of jump on the bed. We'll have a nice 10 minute cuddle. And then normally um, Jesse would get ready for work. And so it would kind of be like Flynn and I, and I would Get him ready, make breakfast for myself and him. Um, usually, I prep it the night before, or I'll make something like you know, like a porridge or something. And then that's kind of like when we get into our day. So we'll go walk the dogs. I'll get home. Um, I'll try and get some work done when he's doing his naps. And then it's just, I guess we do the same things every day, but they might come in a slightly different order, or they might come in um, a different time. And because I run my own businesses my day is different every day. I don't have a nine to five job. I don't have a schedule like I guess, many other people do. And so I have to, I've had to learn to be very flexible and just sort of like go with the flow. So one day I might be going to meetings or I might be going into my office or I might be catching up with one of my um, employees. We might go out for coffee or something, or it could be doing a podcast. It could be um, doing some online, you know, chats with people. It could be doing, I do a lot of Instagram stuff as well. Like I document basically my whole life on Instagram. So I try to weave that into my day to day, but I think if you've followed me or people know me, they'll know that my day will have some factors that are quite consistent in it. And then some factors are so different. Um, obviously, at the moment, we're in quarantine. So it's all looking very same, same. But uh, normal, on a normal day day I, I try to, I guess, pack as much in as possible. And I'm really all about, um, I guess, time bunching things. So trying to do things... So rather than, you know, try to do if I'm if I've got some online projects, I'll dedicate three hours to doing online projects. And that'll be what I do that day, as opposed to being like, I'll do a meeting, come home and do online stuff and then go back and do another meeting. Like I'll say to someone, okay today's I do on Mondays. I'm doing meetings. Let's meet at this coffee shop. And if I have three different meetings with three different people there for me, that's a really good use of my time as opposed to sort of spacing them all out. And I have to be very conscious of my time now having. A baby.
0: <laughs> Definitely. And I love how you said, like, they're more so rituals than a routine because, like, I don't have children yet, but I can, you know, a lot of our listeners do. And I'm sure they can appreciate the time factor doesn't <laughs> necessarily work yeah. for them. Um, and so, sort of, those, those um, practices that they work into their day that are yeah. intentional um, is much more, you know, achievable than sticking to a set routine.
1: Yeah. And I think, um, we're, yeah, I think having children is a real game changer for that. Cause you do have to think about, but even in your day to day life, I think that, um, it's something I will continue to take with me regardless of how old, you know, Flynn gets or how many children I have or whatever, because I think not putting your pr- that pressure on yourself is so great. And it just takes that stress away from being like, Oh, I'm running. 20 minutes late. And I get sometimes we have to have time limits on things, but it is also nice nice to know that regardless of what time you get up, you're going to have a walk. You're going to pour yourself a cup of tea. You're going to have a breakfast ready for you. And that's a really nice way to start your morning and have those beautiful rituals in place um, for your mental health as well. Definitely remove
0: some of the stress and yeah, the pressure.
1: <laughs> oh, gosh, we've got too many pressures in our lives already.
0: <laughs> exactly. Let's remove one of them. Off ourselves. Yeah, totally. <laughs> um, so our next sort of question that we usually dive in with is what's something you would recommend that our listeners add to their toolkit? So we often talk about a toolkit of strategies or therapies or tools that help us manage
1: our health. So what's something that you would recommend? And I don't know if anyone said this before because I was I was really thinking about this and there's, honestly, I could sit here for like five hours and talk about it. That's the hard thing, <laughs> That's the it? hard <laughs> thing. So I was like, what is one thing? And for me, I guess the first thing that came to my mind that I, I feel like would be an overarching help would be to educate yourself on whatever level that is. And I'm not sure if you've had anyone else sort of say that, um, but I just think for me, had I have not made that my first step after my PCOS diagnosis. If I hadn't have spent hours looking into it, finding out what it was about, why I might be experiencing these symptoms, what are the root causes? I would not be here today. I wouldn't be having this podcast with you. I wouldn't have the you know tribe and community of incredible women following me on social media because I wouldn't have got to that point. So yes, I learned all about the different supplements and the herbs and you know the diet and all that kind of stuff and the great practitioners but at the end of the day I wouldn't have known any of that had I have not I guess been my own advocate and gone and done that research off my own bat if that makes sense. <laughs> Definitely, and nobody else
0: has mentioned education yet, so that's a good one.
1: Oh, I'm glad, and I just think you know we're very. I mean, my background um, for those who don't know is actually public health and health promotion. So I'm very lucky in that I have this fantastic background, and I had access to all these resources. But in this day and age, we we all can have access to those resources. It's just a matter of, I guess, trying finding reputable resources, um, looking into evidence-based studies and journals and really fantastic um, you know, people who are qualified to be talking about it and have these incredible books written or whatever it is. And I think, you know, if you spend a little bit of time, everyone can find it. And even though I did have my background in public health health promotion, I knew nothing about PCOS I knew I didn't even I'd never even heard of it <laughs> before I was diagnosed. So um I think that it just goes to show that it doesn't really matter what where you've come from or what you know, how far in your journey you are, that you can always keep learning. And I still, I still learn every single day more things about my health, hormone health, women's health, everything.
0: There's so much to be said about being like health literate and just knowing. And I think that's something a lot of people struggle with. So it's such an important tool to have just that knowledge. And yeah, you can start anywhere
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: Yeah, using what you have. And exactly like so many people don't know about PCOS or other hormone-related conditions. So Mm. educating yourself is really the first step for moving forward.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. And I think um, once you start learning, you don't want to stop learning anyway. It's it's incredible what you start to find out and learn. And even learning about, you know, I don't have endometriosis, but I've learned so much about it just because it's intertwined with everything else going on that I'm doing. So, and, um, you know, and from that I've, I've met so many people who come up to me and they say, now they feel comfortable to say to me, oh, I've got PCOS or I've got endometriosis or I've, you know, struggling with infertility or whatever it is. And, um, yeah, it's, it's almost like opening up that conversation just because you've, I guess, learned a bit about it and spoken about it a bit openly.
0: Education's always key like uh, with a teaching background
1: <laughs> yeah oh, of course education yeah.
0: always is key for me as well so I love that that's a great one
1: and don't you think I mean now that you I now know you're a teacher but like don't you think it would be so cool if some of this stuff was taught in high school from a younger age and like mm. we just were more body literate more health literate I just think like our journeys would have probably been a lot less complicated than what they are.
0: A hundred percent. And that sort of leads into my next question. What sort of education did you receive around periods, puberty, all of that sort of domain and talking about like menstrual health? We, was that something you were always comfortable with or, you know, tell me about that sort of period in your life?
1: Mm. Well, I, I mean, I i definitely have not always been comfortable talking about menstrual cycles or periods. Um, that was something that only has come to me in the last couple of years. I guess I had a pretty similar education to 90% of women that I know, and that is um, I was given a few classes in primary school about that you know there's going to be time and you're going to get a period and um there's pads for that and that's fine and when that happens you know hide some pads in your bag and off you go and you'll be fine um and so i guess that was sort of I had, you know, I think I honestly think I had two sex ed classes in primary school, and then I remember going to one with my mom and being absolutely mortified by the whole experience. Um, and then I remember her giving me a book, which none of my other friends have. So, like, hats off to my mom for even doing that. But it was, um, it was a, I guess, a more comprehensive book than what I had seen. And I used to hide in my bedroom and read it because I didn't want my parents to know that I actually had read it. I was very ashamed that they would think that I'd even. You no, know, been learning about having a period or anything. Um, oh wait, it's just funny. I've never actually spoken about this before, so it's quite weird to like think back onto it. And then I guess going into high school, you do the same thing, like health education, but it's on a very I guess, base level, like you certainly don't, you get told that you're going to have this period and it's going to come once a month and to, um, make a baby, there's sexual intercourse. And like, it's, that's, it's sort of very stock standard. And so I, I wasn't like, certainly not by my parents, I wasn't made to feel ashamed by it, but it was almost like this, uh, unconscious feeling that I had that I was meant to be ashamed by it and I wasn't meant to talk about it. And I was very private with stuff like that. And I think, cause I actually never, I really only ever had, you know, three periods before I was put on, put on the pill anyway. So I was immensely ashamed and didn't want to tell any people when I actually got my period. And I remember the day I got it because I was at my swim, my swimming school carnival. Of course, it was like, and I just had to go to the teacher and, like, sort of embarrassingly tell her that I couldn't swim today or whatever. And she was like, Why? And I was like, I can't tell you any more than that. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's really wild. So I don't think I had, I don't, I definitely have not had any more education than the regular person going to school. At that level, it was only in the last couple of years that I've gone out and sought information because I wanted to find out more about it. I do remember my dad is a pharmacist and my mom is a nutritionist, and um, which is really fantastic. And I do remember the only thing being quite different about my family as well it was that my dad was quite involved in us having periods because he would bring home. pads and tampons for us for us from his work (laughs) so he always knew when me and my sister had our period so that was the only thing i remember being like oh we're so forward in our house (laughs) so modern (laughs) so modern (laughs) but yeah that was it
0: that's all we've done a few like we've done at least 10 episodes or chats now and like that is such a common theme like Mm -hmm. everybody we've really spoken to has had that similar experience and so it's just a really interesting point so yeah I'm hoping that we're moving in the
1: right direction oh I hope so too and I'm starting to see some really cool people out there that are like you know, going into that space and having to sort of knock on the doors at schools and be like, hey, I offer this program. Like, like you know, you were just saying before that you, you had a trial program that you rolled out, a pilot program, and um, I'd be interested to hear how that actually went. But, you know, I'm seeing a few different things like that as well in that sort of um, reproductive health and women's health and that kind of thing, which it's a shame that people have had to sort of come up with these programs to then take to the schools to then see if they're interested, but it's definitely a step in the right direction.
0: Exactly. That's what we noticed. Yeah, the program went really well, which is good. That's good. <laughs> it's so good to see a few people coming to that space and stepping up and saying, hey, this is something we need to learn about. Mm. And, you know, creating the space for those people to learn about their period, learn about menstrual education, learn about all of the encompassing things and not just a quick, here you go, you get a period, here's a pad.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You'll yeah, be fine. Off you go. Yeah, don't have unprotected sex. See you later. No. And I, the other thing I remember coming, I know this is going back a little bit, but I just remember thinking, Oh, you literally fall pregnant every time you have sex if it's not unprotected. Like, and I just think I look back on that and I'm like, that is so wild because <laughs> that is the opposite for <laughs> most women, but particularly women who have PCOS or other hormonal imbalances. Like it's the complete opposite thing. But I spent pretty much majority of my life thinking that that would be the case.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah. There's so many misconceptions <laughs> and like myths and you've just got no idea And you don't want to really talk about it when you're Mm. growing up either. So you just sort of go along with your misconceptions and then it's not until you learn more and you're like, oh, right. Well, that's how that works.
1: (laughs) Yeah, totally. Oh, so wild.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So you mentioned that you only really had about three periods before you went on to the pill. Mm -hmm. And then you were on the pill for a while. Was it about 10 years or so? Yeah, 10 years. Then you decided to come off the pill. So can you sort of talk to us about what happened, what you were noticing, why, and all of all of that good stuff.
1: <laughs> yeah, all the good stuff. Um, yeah. Well, I guess, so I came off the pill, my husband and I got married and we were on our honeymoon and I kind of just decided, oh, I guess now's a really good time to come off the pill, right? Why not? <laughs> I don't know. Why not? Yeah. I mean, what's going to happen? What's the worst that can happen? So um, I just decided that next day that I would, Stop taking the pill, which is so dumb and I don't recommend that to anyone. But um but yeah, just stop taking it and then literally within two actually it's funny because I was in Brisbane. I have another business and I was up there um for a photo shoot and I was in Brisbane and it's obviously as you know quite humid up there. And all of a sudden my skin broke out overnight with i would say almost hundreds of these tiny tiny little pimples under the surface and i genuinely thought i'd had some sort of reaction to something or it was from the humidity or i honestly couldn't work it out but it was mortifying because one i had to do a photo shoot the next day and two it had come on so suddenly that i just wasn't prepared for it and i remember calling jesse um and I, he was picking me up from the airport on the way home and i said babe like something ha- has happened to my face i I, gen- I don't know what it is but i've got tiny little pimples all over my face and that was sort of the start of it and that was within two weeks of coming off the pill Um, and then after that i started to get the the tiny little pimples went and the big cystic pimples came up and they were on my face my neck my back my chest everywhere and then from there my hair started to fall out in chunks like literally i was pulling it out um those two things alone were enough to really trigger my anxiety and i I got this uh, I was almost like in this vicious cycle because I was getting anxiety because I had these physical symptoms, and that would obviously flare everything up again and which would it was just this vicious cycle of being anxious about my symptoms that causing my symptoms to flare up, and it was pretty bad so A few months after that, um, that was when I realized like I hadn't had a period or no menstrual cycle at all. Um, So that was starting to worry me a little bit, but I kind of just thought, all right, well, I've been on the pill for so long. Um, I went to a doctor. They told me it's going to take around three months to regulate everything. So what the heck, I'll wait it out three months and I'll see what happens. It kind of got to like the four month mark and it was almost getting worse by five months i was fatigued i was having memory loss um it was just the most bizarre thing i started to notice i was gaining some weight around like my midsection that i'd never had and um i actually had to had to decided to quit modeling because i couldn't do it anymore because my i just was so ashamed by how i looked and went to another doctor they didn't know what was wrong with me Went to another doctor. They didn't know what was wrong with me, but they would always be like, oh, well, here's some antibiotics for your skin. Um, Have you thought about going back on the pill? You know, here's some creams. You can pop those on your pimples, but your hair loss, we don't know. Like, you're just going to have to learn to deal with that kind of thing. And it was just like, it was just like one blow up. How horrible. Yeah, it was pretty, I look back now, like now I talk about it so easily, but at the time I was, it was heartbreaking. Like it's gut-wrenching. And for anyone who's gone through it, they will know exactly what I'm talking about because you just, you're shattered and to not even know what's wrong with you. Like it's, that's even harder. So um, it got to about the eight month mark. And I remember going to another doctor and just basically saying, if you don't send me off for tests, like I'm just going to sit in this room and cry until you do something. (laughs) And so I cried and I cried and she eventually agreed to do tests on me. And sure enough, the results came back that I had, incredibly high testosterone levels, which that, that along with my physical symptoms and not having a menstrual cycle was enough to go, you know, you've got PCOS. So from there, my journey began.
0: (laughs) I just can't believe, like, I can believe it, which is sad, but I can't believe that you had to go to that many doctors and they say, no, you're fine. Wait it out. Yeah. Um, Not, looking into it further or you know really advocating for you as a patient to find out what was the root cause of your issues
1: yeah not at no point did anyone you know ask me anything about my my history prior to going on the pill or um what was my diet like or what i don't know just there was no questions it was like oh like we don't really know what's wrong with you but we have these drugs for this and this drug can do that and this Cream can do this, and don't worry because you know when you want to have a baby, we'll just find fertility drugs for you. Like that's fine. Like don't worry about. You don't need a menstrual cycle. Just go back on the pill anyway. If you if you don't if you're not ready to have babies anyway, just go back on the pill. If you know that's that's there's no problem with that. And like it was just this gut feeling I kept having that something something's not right. Unless I go out and and look for it, I'm not going to find it. So I'm really glad I stuck with it. I was many times that I kind of could have taken that what seemed like a much easier option. Um, I guess, to take the medication and like, you know, clear up my skin or whatever it was that I wanted to do. So, yeah, but I stuck with it and it wasn't. So once I had the diagnosis, I was then given the option to, again, go back on the pill because that solves all the problems. <laughs> all <laughs> or, done and
0: dusted. You're okay. Yeah,
1: no issues there. Or I had um, antibiotics as another option again for my skin, but it was a different one this time, you know, that's <laughs> exciting. Um or i could take a testosterone lowering drug or we could go straight to the hard stuff and do some like ovulation kick-starting drugs like clomid um if i wanted to have a baby straight away um or, and if that didn't work i wasn't to worry because i could always do IVF. but she pretty much said point bank to me there's no cure, and you won't be able to have kids naturally so you know do what you want with that information so it was Yeah, it was a lot.
0: Like a big kick in the teeth. You're like, great, I've got this diagnosis. But oh my goodness, all doom and gloom.
1: Literally, it was like, I just, I remember part of me, when she told me what I had, I was a little bit relieved because I was like, oh, you know, yay, we've got, now we solve the problem. We know what it is and now we go and solve the problem. And then to come out with, there's no cure and you're never going to have children naturally. And that was sort of the extent of the conversation was a real blow. (laughs) yeah like, okay
0: bye now like good luck
1: yeah good luck off you go <laughs> it was crazy it was oh. really crazy
0: so you obviously weren't happy with that treatment <laughs> plan so what was next what how did you navigate this diagnosis what did you do
1: I guess I just did what we sort of talked about at the beginning of this chat was um I went I remember I had the prescriptions in one hand and I called jesse i think or i either called jesse or my parents first to come over who i called first and i just cried and i said this is what's going on like kind of felt like a failure what do i do and then i a few of them said don't worry about it, come home i'm like well i jesse was like come home we'll chat about it and so I went home and um we talked about it and then i said you know what screw this like i'm gonna find out what this. i don't even know what this is or i don't even know what this condition means at this point i thought it meant that i had cysts on my ovaries like and i'm you know it wasn't until i laid down track i find out that's not necessarily even a symptom of having pcos so um i did a bit of a deep dive search i pulled out as many academic journals as i could find i looked at studies and i've always been very into natural holistic way of looking at uh, medicine and healing and that kind of thing so i automatically went down that path without even i guess knowing i was heading down that path and um yeah, and I started to look into it and I thought, well, what's the worst that can happen if I give this a go? Like literally nothing. So I just started to trial different things and I went and saw a naturopath, then I went and saw a Chinese medicine doctor and I started having acupuncture and I trialed herbs and I changed my diet. And the more I learned, the more excited I was to like keep finding out more and to keep looking into my root causes and my symptoms. Um, and so, yeah, that's sort of, I guess, the the action I took uh, straight you know as soon as I sort of could after my diagnosis
0: what was the breakthrough moment where you were like
1: <laughs> yes this is working um I guess initially I saw my acne starting to clear up and because that was sort of the symptom that started this whole thing that was what was really causing me stress because at that point in time I wasn't concerned about I wasn't trying to have you know, have babies then. So the acne became more of a priority than I guess the fertility side of things. So once I started to see my acne calming down, I was like, oh, something's working. Something's happening here. And so then, and you know, unfortunately, like myself and many other people, you're doing all these different things at once. And so you kind of don't know what it is that it's working so i decided to look at it as like okay i had this jigsaw and i had to find all these missing pieces to the jigsaw and it wasn't just going to be like one magic thing that was going to work it was like a combination of all these different pieces and if i found that those combinations that's when i was going to start to see the big results so it was the acne and then I started, and then I started to notice my hair was growing back, and then my anxiety was lowering, and then eventually I got my um, period back. So that was really big, and so I sort of had shifted my mindset from I want to get pregnant, I want to have babies, to I want to, I want to be in the best possible condition i can possibly be in i want to i want to look at my health on a much more holistic level i want to look at all the bits and pieces and i want to be you know really maximizing and optimizing my overall health and hormones so i think that shift in mindset was really beneficial for me because as many women will know and i'm sure there's many women listening to this um can relate like when you fixate on having a baby or having you know one, one thing you stress about it even more and so it's just, again, a vicious cycle. So, yeah, so that I guess that was what was really helpful. And so seeing those changes um, come about was the motivation I needed to keep going and whether that was – the dietary changes I'd made, whether it was adding in the herbs because I saw really great um, changes once I added in some herbs, uh, adding in some supplements because being on the pill for 10 years, I was deficient in a lot of nutrients. Um, So building those levels back up and then reducing my stress. That was sort of like the main things I had to do to get to where I am now.
0: That's amazing. And I love how you said you stopped focusing on trying to get pregnant and putting your body in like the best condition it can be because lots of people say, oh, just get pregnant. And like, that might be the point that your body's at its worst. It's just been through this horrible battle and it, you know, doesn't need any extra stress. Like pregnancy is a really big toll on a person in general. And then if you've got all these other things coupled in with it, it can be a horrible time.
1: (laughs) And I think as well, like when we just look at it on a biological level, if we've got cortisol from stress, you know, coursing through our bodies, our other hormones cannot function. So regardless of whether that stress is because you're stressing about work or you're stressing about falling pregnant or you're stressing about money or you're stressing your body out because you're working out too much or you're not eating enough food, like stress is stress and cortisol is cortisol and our body can't differentiate it so it's it's going to affect our hormones either way so like really having to look at it from all these different levels and um yeah and work on it was it's tough but yeah i guess it it does work
0: that's so true. And I love how you said, you know, it doesn't differentiate. It can't be like, oh, well, you know, that's money stress. So, oh, that's okay. It won't affect my body or like, you know, that's stress from um, working too hard or that stress mm-hmm. from exercising too much. Like, yeah, the body doesn't know any better. It just knows this is cortisol and this is going to impact you. So, mm-hmm. so true to work on that stress reducing techniques and lowering the stress. Mm-hmm. Now, you mentioned that you spend a lot of your day on Instagram. (laughs) Now you have. I try not to. (laughs) That's okay. So you have your Instagram, PCOS to Wellness. How did that all come about?
1: So I basically started because I, I guess, came out of this appointment with the doctor, found out I had PCOS didn't know anyone who had PCOS, had never heard of PCOS. And I was looking for a bit of an outlet to like vent about my journey and talk about what I was going through without having to have those face-to-face conversations with people because no one I knew was going through it. So I couldn't have that conversation with someone. Turns out, most of the people I know were going through something similar or some, you know, PCOS, endo, infertility, whatever it was, but no one was talking about it. So I started this account. I had it originally. It was um, anonymous because I was modeling at the time and I didn't want my agency or like any clients to, to know about me or know that I was struggling with all these physical symptoms. So kept it completely hidden. And I noticed people starting to follow me. People were really interested in sort of the, um, things I was trialing and the different foods I was eating and the supplements and all that kind of stuff. And so one day I just decided, screw it. I'm just going to put my face on out there and like, whatever, whatever happens happens. My biggest fear was that someone who knows me would find it, which obviously has happened now, but didn't happen for a little while. And, um, and I, that was when I noticed people started to connect with me on a whole nother level. I was seeing, I was getting, you know, I went from getting maybe a couple of followers a day to hundreds overnight. And, DMs were like lighting up my inbox, like no tomorrow. And it was, it, I just couldn't believe it. It was insane. And it was purely because people were relating to what I was going through and they were genuinely interested that there was possibly another alternative way to be managing PCOS as opposed to what their doctors had told them. So, yeah, that was how it started. And I just continued to, to do it. And all I was doing was just, you know, sharing what I was trying, all the things I was doing, or, the herbs I was using, the, the foods I was eating, all those things. And that was of such interest to people that I kept going.
0: <laughs> There's so much power in like sharing your story and being vulnerable mm-hmm. and people really connect with that. And they can tell when you're being honest or when you're being fake.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. And it was its exactly what you said. Like it was wasn't until I came out and i was you know i really did put myself out there and sort of claimed the fact that it was me and yeah i'm you know mortified that people are going to know this is me but at the same time like this is this is me so take it or leave it and i i guess my only hope was that it might help other people to be able to feel like they could do the same and i think it has i think i genuinely believe people are a lot more open about being able to talk about it um now whether it's in my little community that we've created or with their own friends and family
0: hmm so what's the biggest impact or your biggest highlight so far from all of this what would you say has been your biggest highlight (laughs)
1: um just me meeting so many people i never thought i would it's just been incredible and i i love connecting with people and like even now we when we go out or we go for a walk or whatever it's quite often somebody will come to me and be like, I follow you. Like, I just love, you know, what you do. And I'm like, I don't, I honestly, if you follow me, you'll know what I put up there is not exciting. Like it is, it is just my day and what I'm doing. And, but I think because it it's relatable and people are interested in that, um, it, and it's helpful. And I, you know, I think that's why people are really connecting with it. So I do love that. And I love knowing that, um, whether it's so I've made someone feel a little bit more hopeful that day, or they feel like that there's that it's not all doom and gloom. Like for me, that's massive. And then from that as well, um, I guess one of the biggest achievements has been of you know late was launching Sisterhood Tea, which is um, the hormone balancing tea that I kind of created. I created it for myself, and I had so many people asking me about it that I ended up uh, making it available to other people. And that has just been, in, I cannot even tell you like how much that has played a massive role in my life and how grateful I am that I've been able to do that because every day I get messages from people telling me that, you know, along with other, you know, the diet and the lifestyle changes that the tea has helped them either get their cycle back or we have, I get DMs all the time of someone being like a sisterhood baby and, you know, they've fallen pregnant and one of the things they thinks helped them is the herbs. And yeah, it's, it's really, it's a really cool it's just a cool thing that's happened that I I can't even I don't I can't explain it. It's it's one of the best things that's happened in my life. I think
0: <laughs> it's like a passion project that's connected, and you didn't even mean for it to happen, and
1: it just sort of bloomed. And is it's exactly what it is a passion project because at no point did I ever set out to start a business like this. I I never would have wanted to. I never even thought I would be interested in something like this. But because it is literally changing people's lives and my own life. I don't care if I never make money from it or if it is not a profitable business, it is something I'm obsessed with doing and I'm so passionate about doing it and I'll keep doing it for as long as I can.
0: And you've also got your mamahood tea as well, don't you?
1: Yes, that the mama hood tea is again came out of, so I didn't know this until I felt pregnant, but women with PCOS often have um, milk supply issues when they're breastfeeding. So I was postpartum with Flynn and I was learning all about these issues and he had a lot of latching issues, which affected my milk supply. And, um, and I was looking into it and I was going, what the heck? I cannot believe no one told me about this is the, this milk supply thing. So um, I, again, I went, I turned to herbs because herbs have helped me so much in the past. And I started to use um, herbs that were known to help with lactation um, and postpartum hormones and that kind of thing. And lo and behold, within, you know, 30 minutes to an hour of having these herbs, my milk supply was up to so like, I instantly had more milk. So I was like, well, if this is going to work for me, it could work for other people. And um, and so I, I spoke to the guys who do my sisterhood tea and we worked together with a um, naturopath again to create another formula. And that was how Mamahood was born. So um, yeah, and now I, it's really cool because I'm getting these women now who you know start on sisterhood fall pregnant and then at the other side of it we were were, you know working with them again with the um, breast milk and the lactation yeah it's really cool
0: that's such a beautiful cycle to go through and that they're continuing on so it just means like what you're doing is working and you are helping those people so it's so
1: beautiful oh thank you that's so nice
0: (laughs) of course (laughs) what do you wish women knew more about their bodies
1: everything (laughs) i don't know i feel like geez um i personally wish i knew a hell of a lot more than what i did know and it sucks because i genuinely thought i was so educated on health and all that kind of stuff so for me it's like if i don't if i thought i had a great understanding of health and women's health and that thing like what do people have that haven't done that further education or haven't you know done that study um so i just wish people one thing i really wish people had more of an education on is fertility awareness um and being able to track their cycles because i think those that alone is enough to tell you if something is going on if there's an imbalance in there if your body's trying to tell you something that possibly needs to be looked at or if there's some symptoms flowing up. But I think if you can track your cycle and you can learn to do that, um, whether it's through like cervical fluid or cervical mucus, um, through your temperature, through where your cervix is, like those, those three things alone are fantastic. And they can help you whether it's your wanting just to see if, your cycles regular whether it's you're wanting to conceive or whether you don't want to conceive you know that 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 can help you and from there you can learn everything else that's going on but i think if you start simple and you just learn to understand your cycle understand the four phases of the cycle understand the things that should be happening in those four phases um that is that is going to be so powerful and you're going to understand your body and thank it so much more for every time you hit those four phases. I know that every time I see changes in my cervical fluid or I get my menstrual, um, my period, I am over the moon. Like I, it is like, for me, that is just, it's such a blessing. I'm so proud of myself for getting to that point. And I think if we celebrated it more, there wouldn't be this stigma around it. I don't know. I just yeah it's for me it's it's really important that people that women are more body literate when it comes to their menstrual cycle
0: for sure it's, I love how you said you celebrate it and it's like yay me Like <laughs> <laughs> I know my husband's like what
1: he's like so how long do you keep celebrating that you're getting your period for and I'm like I'm literally going to celebrate it every time <laughs>
0: Oh well when you didn't have it for so long and it's, you know, returned and it'd be such a big thing to be over the moon about. Like it would be the same for so many people.
1: Yeah, and for me, it's just a sign that everything I'm doing is still working. And I always look at PCOS and say, PCO there's no quick fix, there's no overnight QR. It is something that you that we have to learn to manage it manage and it gets easier because you get to a point where it's just part of your lifestyle now and it's just the things you do and you love doing them because you feel great. Um, but it's still when you get when you get your period, you know that everything you're doing is working and, you know, you should be so grateful that it's all happening.
0: <laughs> exactly, yes. <laughs> is there anything else that you'd like to share with our listeners today, Bridget?
1: Uh, no, just be your own advocate, you know, speak for yourself, learn as much as you can, um, seek guidance from other people. There's some amazing practitioners out there now that, you know, are really uh, interested in this space specifically and on a holistic level. And just, yeah, you know, if you feel like something's wrong or you feel like you want to look into something more, just do it. Just, you know, you don't have to go by what one person's told you, I guess is what I'm trying to say. (laughs)
0: Lovely I 100% agree with that like you know you saw eight or how many people five or six doctors before you got your answers and then you still had to keep you know
1: advocating for yourself totally and I think you know one thing that will always stick with me was I was told point blank by my doctor who I respect and they've done years and years of medical study that I would not be able to have children naturally and I fell pregnant 100% naturally and had my little baby boy a year ago so um i think that alone for me will always stick in my mind and remind me that i don't have to take just because that you know they have that qualification doesn't necessarily always mean that you have to take what they say as um gold i guess yeah
0: definitely oh thank you so much bridget for joining us today i've loved chatting with you
1: such a pleasure. I've loved chatting with you too. I feel like we could talk for hours.
0: I agree. I definitely think so too. i to get you back on another time to continue chatting.
1: I know. Maybe we just need to have like off-air chats or something.
0: <laughs> exactly. Uh,
1: thank you so much.
0: Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Let's Talk Period with Bridget Warren from PCOS to Wellness. If you enjoyed our chat with Bridget and want more from her, it's okay we know you do you can follow her on instagram at pcos underscore two underscore wellness and you can shop her powerful hormone loving sisterhood and mamahood teas at pcos2wellness.com forward slash shop If you want to keep updated with what we're up to, indulge in some quality memes mixed with important period content, you can follow us on Instagram at Let's Talk Period AU. that is to show us how you're listening. Tag us on Instagram or Instagram stories as this helps get the word out to your friends and families and helps people to find us. Let's Talk Period is a production of Quendo, a non-for-profit organisation supporting anyone affected by endometriosis, adenomyosis, PCOS or infertility. Let's Talk Period is produced for educational purposes and the information, recommendations and topics talked about does not constitute medical advice or take into consideration your personal circumstances or medical history.